0: Since Brooklyn Nine-Nine has ended, may I suggest that you and your cast, you and the cast members maybe have some kind of get-together, like, maybe once a month?
1: I love that idea. We've all been very, very busy since the show ended, but we do keep in touch on a WhatsApp. I would love to see them, though. I mean, I, yeah. I would really like to see them. I miss seeing their faces a lot because I saw their faces almost every day for, yeah. you know, eight years, so, like, I really miss them.
0: Last week, I caught up with one of my favourite actors, Stephanie Beatriz, from the hit television series, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's one of my all-time favourite television shows, and Stephanie plays a very funny role as Detective Rosa Diaz, who's tough, smart, hard to read, and very scary. In last week's episode, we spoke about life, and love, and all sorts of things. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to give it a listen. But in today's episode of Mr. A+, we do a deep dive into Brooklyn Nine-Nine. In other words, an episode that we only talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine specifically. Talking about the characters, episodes, Detective Diaz even makes an appearance. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode of Mr. A+, with Stephanie Beatriz. What were your experiences like working on the show?
1: The whole time? Yeah. I think in the beginning I was really nervous because I'd never really done TV. Like I'd done theater, I'd done a lot of theater, and I'd done like a a guest star. Like I had done, I guest starred on Modern Family. Um, And I guest starred on something called The Closer and something called Southland. But I hadn't spent a lot of time on a TV set. So I would say seasons one, two, and three, I was a nervous wreck. I don't think I showed Mm -hmm. it very much, but I was really nervous. And then once we hit season four... I got more comfortable. I relaxed. I enjoyed my time more. And I think it shows in my performance. I think as we go, as you go, when you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Rosa gets a little bit more sort of relaxed around the edges. I think she gets funnier. And I had a good time, you know, like all of those actors are so funny and and they're (sighs) nice people. I know. And they're it created an environment which was really fun to work in. There was no drama, there was no there was only people trying to make the best thing that they could make, which was yeah. really cool. And I was really inspired. I was surprised, but I was really inspired by Andy Samberg because he he's so goofy and funny on the show and then in real life he's really considerate and smart and he works really hard. He works so hard. And like I was just so inspired by that because I thought, wow, okay, that's what I want to be like, you know? Like I want to I want to walk away from a project or like working with people and have them think like, wow, that person really brought 110% every day, you know? Yeah. And that's really how I felt about everyone that worked on the show. Everybody yeah. brought 110%. Like for example, One of our camera operators in the very beginning, we had three cameras on the show, and one of them was named Rick Page, and he started out as a camera operator. And then slowly, as we went, I think it was season five, maybe you'd have to check, but he moved on to director of photography, which is the boss of the cameras, basically, And he set, like, he sets the lights, he does, he makes, he creates the ambiance and like the look of everything. And he's such a cool guy, such a hard worker, loves the show, huge fan of the show, you know? Like, he is an example of what it was like to work on that show with people that just loved going to work every day. It was awesome. Like, it was, it was truly a dream. It was awesome.
0: You and the cast members of of Brooklyn Nine-Nine do you know what you all have in common?
1: That we were on Brooklyn Nine-Nine?
0: Not just that, but you also fall into the same category. You're all amazing humans slash geniuses.
1: Oh, Michael, that's so nice. Oh, it's really nice. Thanks. Oh. Oh.
0: Because the interactions between all of you, you people are what made it funny.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: And I'm actually quite intrigued by all the cast members.
1: They're awesome. They're really... All all of them are incredible.
0: Would you like to tell me about them?
1: Yes. Um, Let's see. Well, I'll start with Andy. Andy's so smart, so funny. Like I said, he works incredibly hard. So as an episode is getting shot, after it's done being shot, then then it starts to get edited. And the editing is where a lot of magic happens because a lot of jokes can land really well if it's edited together well. On top of raising his kid, being a husband, going to work and playing Jake Peralta. He was also watching all of the edits and giving notes. And the script that would be coming up, he would read all the scripts and give notes on this jokes. Anytime we had a table read, he would give notes after the table read, how to improve things, how to make things better. He's just a really awesome, smart, hard, Hard worker. Then, Terry Crews, who is like, I mean, what can you say about Terry Crews? He's a dynamo. He always brings 110%. Like, his energy is out of control. It's, like, amazing. He's always game to try anything, everything. He's so funny. He's really interesting. A gentle giant. Yes. He's always trying to, you know, like everyone, he makes mistakes. But I think he's always trying to be interested in the world and what he can learn from other people chelsea peretti who you've met is absolutely brilliant comedian just mind like a steel trap like so smart so smart probably one of the smartest people i think i've ever met and also really like brilliant actress like a really brilliant actress I think
0: oh tell me about it
1: I mean she's really amazing Joe LaTrulio is so funny so kind like again another really incredible I mean something else we all have in common is that we're all incredibly hard workers I mean Joe I've never seen anybody that works on comedy bits the way Joe does and he is always thinking about how to make things funnier like we had this joke, we would call him Mr. Buttons for a while because when you finish a scene, if you do something funny at the end of a scene, it's called a button. You put a button on the end of a scene and he would always improvise something new like trying to get like one more joke in there, one more joke in there. He's, he's And he's also a director. Did you know that?
0: Yeah, I, I did know.
1: Yeah, he, he's, he wrote and directed his first film and he shot it this past year. I believe he's editing it now. He's a very prolific artist. Let's see. Who else? Melissa Fumero, who's one of my good friends. I just love her. I think she's amazing. Super smart. Very helpful for me in the last year, especially because she's a mom. And so she's been telling me all these great tips and tricks and just being there for me when I needed it. Um, Also, another absolutely brilliant actress. And she is going to be on a new comedy called Blockbuster. (laughs) which i'm super excited to see um she i believe she started shooting now i think they're shooting it now she's so much range so i'm excited to see her in that and then let's see who else joel mckinnon miller i mean he's Mm. the nicest guy ever so Mm. funny so smart he's what i would call like a very um giving member of the community meaning like he does a lot of volunteering and he takes care of a lot of people and he's just a really thoughtful human being, like a really thoughtful, kind human being. And then I talked a little bit about Dirk Blocker, who's just like so funny, yep. so cool. He and his yeah. wife, like they're, they're hilarious. He, he made me laugh a lot on and offset. He would be like, oh yeah, baby. Like he would say that all the time and he'd yeah. laugh. And then Andre Brower. Yes. He's one of my acting idols. I just wow. think he's so incredible. There would be days where we would get to talking and we would talk about Shakespeare for the whole day. And it was some of my best memories. We would talk about plays. We would talk about acting. We would talk about what we thought about acting. We would talk about our families and and his sons and... You know, my family and I mean, he was just he was so cool, Michael, like I I can't tell in generous, just generous with his time and advice. And I I mean, I sometimes I was, I think, particularly in the beginning and also in the end, I would think to myself, like, wow, you're just getting to talk to Andre Brower. You're just getting to sit here and talk with him like your friends because you are friends. (laughs) And that was really special. I think that was everyone. Did I get everybody?
0: Uh, I think you're missing another one as well.
1: I did. Andre. I talked about Andy. I talked about Joe. I talked about Melissa. I talked about Chelsea. I talked about Dirk. I talked about Joel. Who's left?
0: I think you're you're forgetting about the precinct's other other dad.
1: Oh, Mark Evan Jackson.
0: Yes, him. Love
1: that, Mark Evan Jackson. Love him. He's so funny and cool and nice and charming and wonderful. I mean, what can you say about Mark? He's just so nice.
0: He's brilliant. He's
1: brilliant. He's really brilliant. And if the vo- a voice to die for, like just- I know. Really special, a special human being.
0: In fact, I'm surprised that he's not even a dad.
1: I think he's got like, dad sensibilities meaning i think it's it's manifested in him in different ways like he and his wife run um, a charity organization from his in his hometown from detroit that helps bring theater and stuff to kids and schools in detroit which i think is really cool no. he's really very giving and thoughtful
0: i also got to say jake and amy are, are not the only ones in the precinct that that seek captain holt as a dad
1: true I do too. Oh, you do? Yeah. I think I do too. (laughs)
0: Unlike my dad, he never smiles.
1: (laughs) Never. It's very rare.
0: And with Melissa, she also makes me laugh as well. She has a few things in common with my mother. Does she? They both have Latin genes. They both have olive skin. And their faces are very expressive. Oh
1: my gosh, Melissa's face is so expressive. It's like... I know. Uh, it's it's almost like an I love Lucy face. It's quite something. Yeah.
0: In fact, I would love to have her on the podcast as well.
1: I think she'd love that. I mean, I can't speak for her, obviously.
0: In fact, I would love to have all the cast on, on the podcast.
1: Yeah, they're really great people.
0: The truth is, I actually want to get get to know about them off camera. Yes.
1: Yeah. Because that's how you really get to know people.
0: Yeah. Because um, the thing is, when I'm interacting with a celebrity on um, the podcast- I know what they like on screen, but I actually want to get to know, to know about them, what they like off screen.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: A lot of people just like, just like to go up to a celebrity and, and ask for an autograph or a selfie. What I'd rather do is I'd rather do something better than that. Yeah. I'd rather have a, a civil, meaningful conversation with them or even have a meal with them somewhere.
1: Celebrities are just, or actors or anyone, it's just regular people, yeah. right? Like it. It's nice to be able to talk about things like regular people.
0: And also the other thing is, Joe um, also um, directed one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine called The Bimbo. You directed an episode called He Said, She Said, which is inspired by the Me Too movement. That's correct, yes. I'm not really going to delve into that too much because that's kind of a touchy subject.
1: I I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. And also, um, Melissa directed another episode called Return of the King. Yes. And in said episode, Rosa, Rosa's hands were excessively bandaged. Yes, <laughs> yes. to the point that she couldn't use touch anything or, or use her hands for anything. Open
1: a door or go to the bathroom alone. Yeah, it was a pretty funny episode.
0: Yeah, but wasn't that all that? Wasn't her? Wasn't all that bandaging excessive?
1: For comedic reasons, I think it was. Yes. I think in real life, obviously, it wouldn't be quite as intense, or or if it was, you would stay home from work, but, you know, Rosa is yeah. who Rosa is, so she's not going to let some yeah. damn little bandage stop her, right? Um And yes. yes, for comedic reasons, there's even, what's funny is, like, there's even discussions with the director, like, you know, before we shoot, like, how big should these bandages be? Should they be bigger or smaller? What do you want them to look like? Yeah. What's the funniest version of this thing?
0: yeah. And when Rosa mentioned what happened to her hands, she was on a nature hike and she got distracted by a flower and picked it. A pretty um, little
1: flower, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Amy and, and Hitchcock were like, aw. I was like, how is that cute? Because that's Rosa. It's not, it's not like her to be around a flower. No,
1: I mean, I think that, that, I think that that's part of the joke, right? Like, I think she was <laughs> – them thinking about her that way – like, it's fine for her to be that way, but it's when other people think about her as cute, it's like, don't. don't, I don't like it, you know?
0: Yeah. And also, even ballet doesn't even suit her. At all. No. Nah. No. Can't stand what she even did in the first place.
1: No, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure either. I think it was probably one of those things where, like, somebody said she was good at it, so her parents probably made her, you know?
0: Oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and... In also that episode of the game, game night, um, when they were playing Pictionary, I believe, um, and she was doing a wedding that she pictured in her head, mm-hmm. her mother was saying silly things like co-owners of a chocolate shop yeah. and saying, what do women love, George Clooney? <laughs> yes. I was like, that is literally one of the dumbest things I've ever heard.
1: Which is, I think the point, right? Like the, the point of that, of those jokes are to have them be the dumbest thing you've ever heard and to laugh at it, right? definitely brilliant brilliant writing
0: i also got to ask you um you were on on a few episodes of modern family right mm-hmm. what's it like working with those people
1: it was nice i really like them they're all really cool i mean i i thought i would see more of them um but you know the structure of modern family is like uh it's usually <sighs> three stories so I really only got to see the people that I was shooting with, but that included Ed and Sophia and Rico. Oh, and yes. they're all really nice, really funny. Ed O'Neill talked to me a lot about Brazilian jujitsu that he studies. Um, oh, yes. Sophia was lovely. She was very busy, but she took the time to welcome me and – we had a lot of fun. And and Fred um gosh, what's his name? He directed the first episode that I was on and he was lovely too. Fred Savage. Um oh. and he was fantastic and so nice and really smart with jokes and just really great. I learned a
0: lot. Wow. Yeah. In fact, um Sofia Vergara actually also reminds me of, of my mother.
1: I could see that. I can see that because of the reasons that you mentioned that Melissa reminds you of your mom.
0: Yeah. But also because when my mother talks, she can be pretty loud as well. Really?
1: <laughs>
0: but when my mother's angry, she does not she's not curse in Spanish.
1: Yeah, Sophia definitely does that.
0: In fact, I'd like to have her on the podcast as well. She'd be an amazing guest. In fact, all the cast members of, of Modern Family and Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's a lot that would be a lot of people. Well, I'm not gonna have all all of them on in one episode. That's it's just true. gonna be that's true. Put step by step. That episode, um, episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine called Game Night. That's the episode where um Rosa came out as bisexual to the precinct.
1: Right.
0: And um, she asked Jake if that was too touchy feely. It's not. It's it's okay to op- open up a little bit.
1: I think I think so too.
0: And her fa- discussing that her father is super traditional but what do you expect He's he's a latin american immigrant that um comes from a, a very much older generation and mm-hmm. and then a flashback cuts to them eating dinner in silence how is that fun that seems normal
1: <laughs> i don't think it's very fun i mean i think i think a lo- unfortunately a lot of people grow up in environments that aren't particularly fun um, No. But I think what's cool about shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is, like, similar to what we were talking about earlier. Like, you can see that even though someone grew up in an environment like that, they don't have to repeat that pattern. They can change and, like, decide something new and different for themselves.
0: Yeah. I also got to mention that um, it was kind of annoying how how Rose's dad said to her that her being bisexual is just a phase
1: Oh, so annoying. It was so annoying. But I'm glad you are mentioning that because that is actually one of the things that I wanted the writers to put into the script. Oh. I said, it's really important to me that, that the audience hears the things that bisexual people hear, which is yeah. this is a phase. Bisexuality is not real. Oh, well, you can marry a man, so you're not going to be, you know, you'll you'll be straight after you marry a man. I wanted the audience to hear those things because exactly the face that you're making right now, that's sort of like exasperated, like, come on. So many people respond to the idea and, and respond to the truth of bisexuality in that way. They, they don't really understand and they don't want to understand it. And, and I was really adamant that the, the writer sort of take that and run with it and they did. We're so hmm. we're we're so lucky on Brooklyn Nine-Nine that we had such cool writers, so many cool people. Um, I know. writing and that they, they put that in cuz it it's so frustrating that moment. That moment is just yeah. awful. And you can feel it in Rosa and both Rosa and Jake listening to her parents just going like
0: oh, it's painful. It's painful. I it was painful for me to look at as well. Yeah. Cuz when she was trying to get them to understand, her father was like, "Well, what do you want us to see?" I was like
1: What do you oh, think <laughs> that you love yeah. me no matter what? Exactly. And,
0: and when she and when she gave them the answer that she wanted them to say, instead they remained silent.
1: It's so interesting, isn't it? Because like, you know, I've thought about this a lot since I've had a kid. I chose to have that kid. You know, me. Yeah. I chose me and Brad. We said, all right, we think we can help add a cool person to the planet. We want to do this. Let's do it. But that kiddo, she's napping in the other room, so I'm pointing over there. <laughs> that kiddo doesn't owe me anything. I have to earn her respect. Yeah. I have to earn her, like, trust and love.
0: Exactly. Just,
1: just because I've raised her or I am raising her and feed her and change her diaper and all that stuff, she doesn't owe me anything. She can't exactly. do any of that stuff for herself, you know? Like, if she no. could, she'd change her own diaper and pay her own rent, but she can't. You know, so like, I think that's such a, that's such a a mistake that parents make that say, you know, oh, I did this and that for you and you're being disrespectful, which is like, (sighs) is that the truth? Or are you thinking of your child as an extension of yourself and not seeing them as a fully realized, cool, awesome person that can make their own decisions?
0: It's almost like, it's almost like parents just want some kind of repayment.
1: Right. And they don't, the, re, the repayment is you get to know me, you know?
0: <laughs> and another thing is when you're a parent, demanding respect does not, does not guarantee that you'll receive it. That's correct.
1: That's Because correct.
0: It, it turns people off from, from, from showing the respect that you want.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean it's just like any relationship, you know, like any relationship that's about love, it's not just yeah. automatic. Like it it it's a it's a back and forth of like respect and honoring the other person.
0: Yeah. And the next day when Rose's dad came to see her, I was actually quite impressed that he um finally began to accept her for who she is. But it was also disappointing the fact that it took her mother more time.
1: Yes, that was disappointing. And we wanted the writers and uh, Dan Gore, who's our show creator and showrunner, and I, we all wanted it to feel real. And so we wanted there to be acceptance, but also the idea that maybe not everyone in her family is going to accept her right away. And I think that also gave space for the storytelling aspect of the next part of the story, which is everyone showing up from the precinct and saying, well, we accept you, we love you. We want you to be who you are. Yeah.
0: At least least the members of the precinct were actually considered enough to continue the game night tradition with her. I know,
1: really thoughtful of them, really thoughtful.
0: That's what I call kindness.
1: Yes, exactly right.
0: Oh, uh, and another episode of the sixth season called Gintar's um, When they were talking about a crime scene and forensic entomology, whatever that is. Um, mm-hmm. How were you able to keep a straight face? Well, well, Amy's and Holt's laughter is so infectious. It was hard. It was hard.
1: I will say that it was, a, but <laughs> that was in the office, wasn't it? Wasn't it in
0: Holt's, office, Holt's office? office? Yeah. yeah.
1: What was really helpful in that scene was that they were having such a good time laughing. And, like, as the character of Rosa, she's so annoyed. So, like, watching them have such a good time laughing and knowing that I can't – Stephanie can't laugh because I've got to film the scene helped me with the annoyance, if that makes sense. It's, like, sort of yep. layered. But, yeah, those buttheads, they were they were having the best time. and They were, like – loving laughing that hard too oh god they loved
0: it they loved it yes and not to mention um terry Jeffers and his um fear of bugs
1: oh yeah he
0: shaved he shaved off his eyebrows
1: eyebrows those were so great
0: bleached his goatee and then um trimmed his nose hair
1: <laughs> he went through quite a few looks in
0: that he episode did yes as well yeah but what he should have done was he should have bleached his eyebrows and shave off his goatee. That's what he should have done, but he didn't, but he didn't think it through. Sadly. Damn Rosa.
1: Yeah. Damn Rosa. I love that line that Terry says so many times. He
0: he frequently says that.
1: Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much.
0: Yeah. And, um, the first, um, the first pair of eyebrows that he scrawled on, um, Captain Holt was like, the only thing that's a little much around here are your scrolled on eyebrows. <laughs> and then he's like, seriously, I thought they worked. And then Rosa te- tells him that they-, they do work. If you want to look like a mean drag queen.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I couldn't have put that better myself
1: right he truly does look like a like and th- what's funny is that's how drag performers block out their eyebrows they do exactly what we did to him on the show what the makeup department did to him on the show Yeesh. <laughs> i'll tell you what though so every scene on brooklyn Nine takes a while to shoot you know like it's two minutes on the screen but it it will take like half a day or something it was yeah. so funny to s- just look over and see terry like sitting in his chair, waiting to shoot the next scene with those eyebrows on. It was <laughs> so funny.
0: And also recently this month, I also finally watched the eighth season.
1: Yay. Well, did you feel satisfied at the end or not so much?
0: Yep, I did feel satisfied. It seems like right. a very satisfying conclusion. I although so I, I, I did find O'Sullivan extremely irritating.
1: So irritating, horribly uh, irritating, uh,
0: just awful. An elderly man who lives with his with his mother—that's sad.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen to the he, to the
0: extreme.
1: He was a real piece of work. He was a real. That character was a real bloodhead.
0: I know. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> and also, I gotta tell tell you this as a suggestion. Since Brooklyn Nine Nine has ended, I wouldn't really recommend just moving on just like that. May I suggest that you and your cast, you and the cast members. Maybe have some kind of get-together like maybe once a month.
1: I love that idea. We've all been very, very busy since the show ended. But we do keep in touch on a WhatsApp. Like we have a WhatsApp going so that we can all yeah. kind of keep in touch and know what's going on with each other. I would love to see them though. I mean, I yeah, I would really like to see them. I miss seeing their faces a lot because I saw their faces almost every day for,
0: yeah. you
1: know, eight years. So, like, I
0: really miss them. That's the thing. Um, when a show ends, get together once a month. You know, to um, you know, to keep the friendship strong. Yeah,
1: that's really good advice, Michael. Thank you for that.
0: It's my pleasure, because somebody has has to provide some kind of glue.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because it's not going to happen on its own. It takes effort.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And because whenever I get together with friends, I'm always the one that make that organizes stuff.
1: You know, that's funny, I usually am too, so maybe that's my role in this group, maybe I should try to do that.
0: Ah, then then do that. Be the glue. Okay. That keeps people together. Okay, I will. You guys have worked with each other for eight years now, you've got strong friendships, keep that up! Yeah. <laughs> and because you're all really amazing humans slash geniuses, as I previously mentioned.
1: I definitely am going to take to heart what you said about being the glue that keeps your groups together and stuff. I love that. It was really good advice. I hadn't thought about myself that way, but like I can certainly do that with all of, I mean, I do that sometimes unwittingly and unknowingly. So once I sort of heard you say that, I was like, oh yeah, I can choose to do that more with people that I love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's up, this is Rosa Diaz. You should probably listen to Michael's podcast. It's really good. That's impressive. <laughs> oh, and also I forgot to ask you, Rosa. How how are you doing? Alright. Just alright. Yeah. Fascinating. I assume that you don't want to discuss your plans for the weekend, I suppose. Nope. Don't need to. Don't want to. I couldn't have put that any better myself. I assume that you don't like answering questions either, do you? Nope. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother asking why, because you're because you're probably not going to answer that either. Yep. Okay. Well, I will ask you this. You want to grab a bite to eat somewhere? Yeah, as long as we don't talk. That's fine with me. Great. We can just listen to to heavy metal or something and just eat in silence. Perfect. But I do have to ask you this, Rosa. Is there anything that I would possibly do that could ever piss you off?
1: Not sure. Got to get back to him on that one.
0: Oh, okay. I got to think about it. You know how everyone is terrified of you? Yeah. Everyone but me. Interesting. There's nothing you could possibly do that would scare me. Challenge accepted. Okay, I'd like to see you try.
1: <laughs> Michael, that was a great uh, improvisational scene. Well done.
0: That was improvising?
1: Yeah, that's that's all improvising is. It's just- Wow. That's literally all it is, it's just talking and uh, we call it riffing. You just kind of wow. go along with wherever it takes you.